This episode today was not necessarily a part of the plan as usual, but I really desire to talk about this because this is something that I've been going through for a little bit of time now and it didn't really make a lot of sense until more recently, but you know, we had to trust God, but I got the notes together for this just a few, maybe 30 minutes ago for this will probably be a two part, uh, series and I might release it in the same day because I have a lot of stuff to say this season and not a lot of time to say it. I mean, I have plenty of time, but before I really even go into the portions of scripture, I'm planned on going into, I feel like I should read this passage found in Job chapter five. And Job, if you know the story, was a man that was living uprightly, living right for the Lord. And yet he had all these troubles that were ordained by God. He had all these problems that came to test his love, to prove his love. And when his friends or so-called friends came to comfort him, they didn't quite understand. And they had some wise stuff to say. There's a lot of wise things that they said. And one of the friends, his name is Eliphaz, he is rebuking Job, saying that all of his trouble is because of his wickedness. And that wasn't necessarily the case in this case. So I just am going to read uh, Job chapter five and I'll read verses one through seven. And this will kind of just segue into the rest of this episode and this short little two part series on trouble and the purpose of it. So this is Eliphaz's rebuke to Job complaining about his trouble. And he, it says the following. Call now if there be any that will answer thee, and to which of the saints wilt thou turn? For wrath killeth the foolish man, and envy slayeth the silly one. I have seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cursed his habitation. His children are far from safety, and they are crushed in the gate. Neither is there any to deliver them. Whose harvest the hungry eateth up, and it taketh it out of the thorns, and the robber swalloweth up their substance. Although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground. Yet man is born unto trouble as sparks fly upward. Now, I did not even necessarily plan. I was just kind of praying right before I started this podcast and I felt led to go to Job chapter five verse seven as this episode was about trouble. And it said, yet is a man born unto trouble as sparks fly upward. Now, what a lot of Job's friends said were wise statements. They said some stuff that was true. It just did not necessarily pertain to the specific situation that Job was in. And in this season, and you can expect some episodes where I'll be talking more about foolishness and wickedness and some other topics that I've already kind of covered in some earlier episodes. But there's a truth to what he said. There's there is trouble that comes from your foolishness, from your sin, from your bad intentions, from your bad motivations, but there's also trouble that just comes 
with life and period. And that's what I plan on discussing the point of the troubling, especially the troubling of your spirit. So before I go too deep into this episode, as always, put on your scuba diving gear. We're already diving deep so far, but I would like to open up this episode with prayer and then we will get diving deep into this episode. So dear heavenly father, thank you for this day. And thank you for everything you provided for us. I pray Lord that you would lead us and guide us in your perfect will. I pray Lord that you would give us wisdom and revelation and discernment of when you are leading us and what is going on in the spirit that we would discern the times that we're in, that we would discern the situations that we are in, that we would discern the motives of people around us and even the motives that we have ourselves, that we would live for you in spirit and in truth, that we would live for you with our hearts right and our minds right, not conform to the ways of the world, but transformed by you. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us and give us some revelation for every situation of life and that we would turn to the correct source when we go through different trials and that we will grow in patience and not grow and lean to our own understanding. So we thank you and we praise you in your holy name. I pray Jesus. Amen. So the first passage of scripture, which will kind of be an overview for the whole thing is one of Job's responses concerning trouble. And that is actually quite a few chapters later. So he's not necessarily responding to Eliphaz in that this passage, but it's in Job chapter 21. And it says the following. But Job answered and said, hear diligently my speech and let this be your counsel consolation or your comfort. Suffer me that I may speak. And after that, I have spoken mock on as for me is my complaint to a man. And if it were, why should not my spirit be troubled? Mark me and be astonished and lay your hand upon your mouth. Even when I remember I am afraid and trembling taketh hold of my flesh. Wherefore do the wicked live, become old, yea, are mighty in power. Their seed is established in their sight with them and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear. Neither is the rod of God upon them. Their bull gendereth and faileth not. Their cow calveth and casteth not her calf. They send forth their little ones like a flock and their children dance. They take the timbrel and the harp and rejoice at the sound of the organ. They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. Therefore, they say unto God, depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. What is the almighty that we should serve him? And what profit have should we have? If we pray unto him, lo, their good is not in their hand. The counsel of the wicked is far from me. How oft is the wicked, the candle of the wicked put out and how oft cometh their destruction upon them? God distributeth sorrows in his anger. They are as stubble before the wind and as chaff that the storm carrieth away. God layeth up his iniquity for his children. He rewardeth him and he shall know it. His eyes shall see his destruction, and he shall drink of the wrath of the Almighty. For what pleasure hath he in his house after him, when he in the number of his months is cut off in the midst? 
Shall any teach God knowledge, seeing he judgeth those that are high? One dieth in his full strength, being wholly at ease and quiet. His breasts are full of milk, and his bones are moistened with marrow. And another dieth in bitterness of his soul, and never eateth with pleasure. They shall lie down alike in the dust, and worms shall cover them. Behold, I know your thoughts, and the devices which ye wrongfully imagine against me. For ye say, Where is the prince, the house of the prince? And where is the dwelling places of the wicked? Have ye not asked them that go by the way? And do ye not know their tokens or their signs? That the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction, they shall be brought forth to the day of wrath. Who shall declare his way to his face? And who shall repay him what he hath done? Yet shall he be brought to the grave and shall remain in the tomb. The clouds of the valley shall be sweet unto him, and every man shall draw after him as there are innumerable before him. How then comfort ye me in vain, seeing your answers there remaineth in falsehood. Now, one thing I like about many of the books in the Bible, but especially the book of Job is Job was a righteous man. He lived after God. He sacrificed. He did everything right. And yet this great trouble came for the purpose of testing his heart. But also it it showed so much more of his love to God. And it showed also how much revelation that this man had, because As you read this book, the more you read this book, especially, I think this is one of the most revelatory books outside of the book of Revelations as you read the different wisdoms, but especially what Job says, he says so much stuff that is described in a way that other parts of the Bible, as you read other parts of the Bible, makes sense. All the stuff he's saying, he has such a deep revelation, even at such an early point in time in the Bible because this is supposedly one of the earliest books that were written in the Bible um, or found in the Bible. But it's very interesting, like I said, as you read this book, how much revelation is in this book. But the thing is, he was throughout this book being accused of suffering because of his sin, being accused of suffering because of his iniquity. And there is a reason for suffering because of your iniquity, but not all suffering comes because of iniquity and we know that even for the new testament that the suffering long suffering with god gives patience and it proves us and it makes us stronger and as long as you wait on the lord as long as you continue to trust in him that the purpose of that trial is really for greater things but the thing that is interesting that job writes is or says is that he describes a little bit about the judgment of God, period. But he talks about the success of the wicked and the fall of the wicked. He talks about the troubling within his spirit, specifically, not necessarily within his heart, but within his spirit. And he also rebukes the falsehood. He would not settle for falsehood in this troubling. So there's a few things, like I said, as you read this chapter, we see troubling in connection to wickedness and impending wrath. There's usually two sources of troubling, which we'll be going through the majority or a lot of different cases in this two-part series. But 
there's a troubling that comes from when you're loving the Lord and to prove your love. And there's a troubling that comes from fear, not necessarily from the fear of the Lord. There's a troubling that comes from the fear of the Lord and to prove your reverence to the Lord, the Lord, kind of like love, like I was saying. But there's a troubling that comes from fear. There's a troubling that comes from your disobedience and rebellion from your wickedness. And it's a toil. And the thing is, when troubling comes, it usually is connected to a level of uncertainty. And when you're troubled, as we're going to read in a couple of different cases, you're not going to settle for falsehood. You're going to be able to tell, okay, if this isn't meeting the need, if this isn't giving me peace, it's false. You're not going to settle for false peace when you are troubled. And when trouble comes, it's usually coming right before a big change, whether that trouble be for good or for bad. When trouble comes to those who are righteous, it's coming right before a promotion. But when trouble comes to the wicked, it's coming for their destruction. And of course, there's scripture out there like in Ezekiel where it talks about how the righteous can be on the right way. And if they decide to turn, they can not inherit what they need to inherit. And the wicked could be on the wrong way. But if they repent, they could be saved from some of the consequences that are coming their way. But trouble is inevitable. But when trouble comes, there's a purpose for that. And the purpose of trouble, I would say, before I even get to the end of the series is usually to reveal the truth. The trouble reveals truth. Trouble tests you. It tests the individual. It reproves the individual. So there will probably be a day of troubling that will come to every person that is listening to this podcast. And there may even be a chance that you've already endured some troubling, not just of heart, but of spirit. But I desire to break down the reasons why we are troubled in the Bible, the biblical reasons, and what to do when we are troubled. So the first passage of scripture that I have in this case study, which I mean, it's not the first passage, but I think just the first passage in the studying of different instances of people being troubled is found in Genesis chapter 41. And it says the following. This is pertaining to Pharaoh uh, and Joseph, which many people have heard the story, but Joseph was recently in jail and prison for no reason. He's he was in Egypt for seemingly no reason, nothing that he necessarily did. But God brought these troubles or allowed these troubles, the things that were meant for evil. And it ended up all working out for good at the end. But recently, Joseph, for those who don't know the story, was in jail. He was imprisoned for a false accusation. And he actually had two other people that were in the jail with them. He even was promoted in the jail. So he had favor even in the bad situation. But in the bad situation, he interpreted dreams for two other people that were in the jail, one for good and one for evil. One guy died. One guy was restored. And that's kind of what happens when trouble comes. Usually the trouble either comes to bring destruction or promotion. There's usually no in between. But after a while, the guy that got promoted ended up forgetting about jo- um, Joseph, but he remembers him after Pharaoh has this dream. And that's where we're picking up in the story. 
So Joseph is still in the dungeon right before this. So uh, we're in Genesis chapter 41, verse one. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed and behold, he stood by the river and behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kind and fat fleshed and they fed in the meadow and behold seven other kind came up after them uh, out of the river ill-favored and lean-fleshed and they stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river and the ill-favored lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind so Pharaoh awoke and he slept and dreamed the second time and behold seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk rank and good and seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them and the the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears and Pharaoh awoke and behold it was a dream and it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled and notice this. So first we, he had a dream. A lot of times this troubling is going to come. If you're paying attention to these different spiritual things, how does the spirit work? Remember there's a couple different ways we can get the communication through the spirit, but we know one of the primary ways is through visions and dreams, not just through the old Testament, but even in the new Testament, when the Bible says God will pour out of his spirit and that people would see visions and dreams. So it's very important that we pay attention to that or else we will be very blind in a lot of different areas. And I'm not going to go too de deep into necessarily all the ins and outs of all the dream stuff today because I'm focusing on the trouble, but notice, so he had a dream. He's paying attention to the dream and he actually remembers the dream, but he doesn't know what it means. And he knows within his spirit that something is troubling about this. And what did he do? He, sent and called for the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret unto Pharaoh the dream. So usually when trouble comes, you're going to begin to seek out an answer. You're going to begin to seek out for why is this? Why is this the case? And you're not going to settle for anything but the truth, even not being a Christian, even not being someone serving the most high one and true God. But trouble will always lead you to find the answer to get some sort of not even clarity, because clarity doesn't necessarily mean what people mean, but truth to get seek the truth until you find peace. So verse nine says the following. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with me, wroth with his servants, and put me in the ward and the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was a young man with the, there was with us a young man, a Hebrew servant, to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted it to us our dreams. And to each man according to his dream, he did interpret and it came to pass as he interpreted to us so that so it was me and he restored unto mine office and him he hanged then pharaoh sent 
and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard, I and I've heard say of thee, and that thou canst understand and interpret a dream to interpret it. Now I could read this whole story and use up a lot of minutes of time, but I have a lot of scriptures to go through that I would like to show for this case study. But I'm going to sum up the end of the story for those who don't know it. So Joseph is called out and he's the only one that knows God. He's the only one that has experience in this interpretation of this area. And he brings the interpretation and Pharaoh has peace because he knows what's about to happen. He knows what the impending doom is that he was feeling and was able to properly prepare for it. And because of this troubling, it brought Joseph even out of a troubled situation himself and led to his promotion. And he was promoted all the way to basically second in command in the kingdom. He was promoted to take care of all the resources in the kingdom and to distribute it. And it was all through this trouble. So we know, notice a few different things here. For one, pay attention to your dreams. Uh, not everything that you dream is necessarily from God, but you do. You should pay attention to it, write it down, visions, all that stuff. But when you are troubled in spirit, it matters who you consult for one. Notice he didn't go straight to the man of God. He went first to the magicians and to all the wise men. He sought out every other form of wisdom before he came to God. Now, granted, this man was a heathen, but there's indications. There's not indications. There's stories in the Bible where there wasn't a heathen and they did the same thing. So it's very important when we are troubled who we seek out and what we hear. I think it's also important to note, too, that troubling doesn't just mean a disturbance by its etymology, but it also means at the root of what the word means, a stirring or a mixing almost. So when you're troubled, you the reason why you're troubled is because you don't have a full understanding. You're, you don't have peace. You don't really see where things are going. All you know is that things are not right or that something is off. So. Part of the reason for tr trouble is to bring forth truth. Part of the reason for trouble is to bring revelation into a situation, especially one that is impending and about to come up. So we know that trouble almost always comes before a change of situation, before a change in the times, before a change in position, a promotion or a demotion and a destruction. So here's another example that we find. And it is found in Daniel chapter two. So Daniel chapter two, starting with verse one, and it says the following. And in the second year of the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherein his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. So right here we see why was he troubled? 
because he didn't know the dream. He didn't understand or he couldn't even remember what he saw in this dream. And he needed somebody to even remind him of what he even saw. But all he knew is that he remembered that there was something about this dream that there was troubling. Something in my spirit registered the message from God that something's about to happen and I don't know what it is. What a troubling place to be when you're in life period, but especially when you get a message from God and don't know what to do about it. You don't know where to go. You don't have any direction. You don't even understand anything about it. The peace of God passes all understanding, but the purpose of these trials, these troublings is for you to make sure your peace is coming from God. Your understanding is coming from God. So let's continue in the story. So he's troubled because he needs to know the journey. Verse four, then the Chaldeans, then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the thing is gone from me. So he forgot. If ye will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if ye show the dream, the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. Then they answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation thereof. The king answered and said, I know the certainty, know of certainty that ye would gain the time because ye see the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make the known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. For ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me to the time be changed. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, there is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king lord nor ruler that asks such things at any magician or astrologer or chaldean and it is a rare thing that the king requireth and there is none that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not in flesh and what they said was true it, they needed something in the spirit no man in the flesh could no man, period, could help this guy. But the thing that's important about this is, like I said before, when troubling comes, it's a time of change. It's a time of uncertainty. And it's always a time of promotion, a time of testing, because at this point, he forgot the dream anyway. So it didn't matter if he knew the dream. I mean, it didn't matter if he was doing this on purpose. He needed them to interpret the dream. But this also prompted him to such a point of desperation and almost anger to where he was like, if you, if you're false, you're dying, if you're false, you're dying. So that's another thing that the troubling brings. The troubling brings truth and certainty to the foundations of understanding, to the sources of your information, because if they can't offer the answer, then there's something off about the source. So. The king was so irritated with this to where he said, I will cut off every source of wisdom. I will cut off every source of wisdom because it's not wise if it can't help me. I will cut off every source 
So it prompted even a heathen king to that level of desperation to where even with these people serving before, he was like, no, nah, I'm not playing any more games. So I think it's very interesting. And I also think it's funny, too. I mean, if I was a false prophet in this situation, they just kind of ignored what he said. He said, please tell me what the dream is. And they're like, they just act like they didn't hear him. They said, let the king tell us. They just said it again. They just acted like they, <laughs> they didn't hear. It. But he was like, no, you're not gaining any time. I'm not giving you any extra time. If you have real power, speak with word and power. So picking up in verse 12, it says the following for this cause. The king was angry and very furious and commanding to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Then Daniel answered with the council and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire the mercies of God, the God of heaven concerning the secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in the in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. I'm going to pause here and say this. Saying blessed be the name of the Lord in any situation, whether you have the answer or not, it's always the right response because at the end of Job, First, Job was barely, not barely afflicted, very much afflicted, but it wasn't all the way to the max. And the trial lasted a much shorter time when he was able to just say, blessed be the Lord and not complaining, not just mourning in his complaint of the situation, but focusing on the one who's solving the situation, because the purpose of the trial is to work patience. The purpose of the trial is for you to prove that you trust God. And that's exactly what this did. Another thing that I think is important to note about this story is that Daniel and his men were not seeking occasion, as I mentioned in the previous episode with the flatterers. They were not seeking the occasion. The false people were the first people you'll find. That's metal. I didn't even necessarily think about that. The false people were the first people he found. They were ready to get the money, get that cash and go. But Daniel wasn't even looking for the occasion. They were just serving God. They were just living their lives. And when the threat came to them, it drove them to be brought out into the light. It drove them to be brought out. And they got the revelation from God. They kept God first. They prayed. They sought the Lord. And he answered. And that's exactly what we need to do in every situation in order, especially in the time of trouble. The point of the time of trouble is to bring forth truth. So continuing on with Daniel praising God once he got the answer, which you don't have to praise him right when you get the answer, because that's not what Job did the first time, the first part of his trouble. But he blessed God anyways. 
So it's good to bless God anyways. Seek God regardless, but bless God whether you have the answer right away or not. But anyways, picking up in verse 21, he changeth the times and the seasons. Remember what I said about the troubling in spirit. When somebody's troubling in spirit, there's something that's happening in the spirit. There's something because the things that are invisible happen first before they become into fruition. So when somebody's troubled or something is troubled in the spirit specifically, not necessarily in heart, but in spirit, there's something that's about to change. So what did he say here? He changeth the times and the seasons, and he removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom to the wise to know and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now what we desire of thee. For thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. And he went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation now what a what a great thing the empowerment of the wisdom of the lord the way of the lord when god gives you that revelation you have the empowerment to go to the one that's supposed to destroy you and tell you no that's not what we're about to do we're about to do something else you can only do that with god on your side so verse 25 then arioch brought so the person that was the destroyer ended up bringing him to the place that he needed to be to not only give revelation, but eventually, as we will see, gets blessing as well and promotion. So then Eric brought in Daniel before the king in haste. So just as quickly as the judgment looked like it was coming to them, it's just as quickly he was prevent- presented to the testing place. So as just as hastily as they thought they were about to die from this decree, it's as hasty as he's coming. So the king, in, he was brought before the king in haste and sent unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah. Notice once again, another aspect, God's people were in captivity. The person, the man of God was in captivity when this happened. And even in the midst of trouble and captivity, these things always tend to happen. So that's two people already. Joseph was in captivity. He was in bondage and was brought out. Daniel also was one of the people who were in bondage and is about to receive a promotion himself. So one of the men of the captives of Judah, and that will make known unto him the king in the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, art thou able to make known unto me the dream I have seen in the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known unto the king, king Nebuchadnezzar, what shall be the la- of the latter days? And thy dream and the vision of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind. 
upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter. And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret was not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation of the king that thou mightest know is the thoughts of thy heart. Thou, O king, sawest the sawest and behold a great image, the great image whose brightness was excellent and stood before thee and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold and breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet of part of iron and part of clay. And thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image on his feet that were of iron and of clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold broken into pieces together, and they became like chaff of the summer, threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee kingdom. Notice he emphasizes throughout this whole time with humility that I'm not the one that got this revelation. And he also emphasizes as he's interpreting the interpreting the dream. You're not the reason why you're the king. The God that gave me the revelation is the same God that gave you kingdom, power, strength and glory. So it's very important that we are humble and we acknowledge God in all of our ways and he will lead us. So verse 38 and wheresoever the children of men dwell and the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand and hath made thee ruler over them. Thou art this head of gold and after thee shall rise another kingdom inferior to thee and another third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule over the, all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, as iron that breaketh all these, it shall break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes of the potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in, in it the strength of iron, for as much as thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay. And whereas thou sawest the and the toes of the feet, the toes of the feet were a part of iron and part of clay. So shall the kingdom be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Interesting. And they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of the kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to the other people but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and shall stand forever for as much as thou sawest the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and break in pieces and iron the brass the clay the silver and the gold and hath and the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. The dream is certain, 
and the interpretation is thereof is sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and worshiped Daniel and commanded that they should offer oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, saying thou couldst reveal the secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him a ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors of all the wise men of Babylon. And king and the then Daniel requested the king that he shall set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Now we see in both of these situations that God used this troubling of the spirit with heathens. These are not Christian people, but even with the heathen, he uses it to prove his own power, prove his own glory, bring your own, bring you to a place of destiny, bring you to a place of power and authority because you submitted to him. And not only that, he was able to make requests to the king. So these two stories are very similar. Both of these heathen kings, we've, we've only talked about the heathen. We haven't even gotten to people of God yet. But these heathen kings were troubled in spirit, and this was a sign of a change of times. Both of these dreams were of judgment. The interpretations were sure. And the other one, he, the Pharaoh had two of the same dream. They were just different symbols, but it meant the same thing, meaning that it was going to happen very soon, what was about to happen. So the wisdom, as Proverbs says, the wisdom that God gives you, the gifts that God gives you, as long as you're submitted to God, your gifts will bring you before great men. You don't have to go and make your own occasion. That's why when you're really anointed, you're not seeking occasion. You're not seeking for an opportunity because the opportunities just come to you. As long as you put God first and you do what he says, you know, there might be times where he leads you to go somewhere, but you're not going to have to make the opportunity for yourself. It's going to come to you if you seek first the kingdom. So it's very important, as I said, in the time of trouble, what you seek. But at the end of the day, regardless of if you seek the right people or the wrong people, the truth is going to be revealed in the time of trouble. Changes are going to be made in the time of trouble. And that is the purpose of the time of trouble. It's a time of transition. It's a time of discomfort. It's a time of truth. It's a time of revealing. It's a time of a lot of different things. But ultimately, regardless of what happens, it's a time for God's glory in a time of judgment. Because judgment's not always bad. And we'll talk about that in the episode. Judgment's not always a bad thing. Especially if you have integrity and you're with God and you're right with God. So now I want to move on to a passage of anointing in 1 Samuel 16. And with anointing, not only meaning anointing in the appointed position, but anointing, this is dealing with God's people. So both of these situations that I've already read we're dealing with heathen kings and even with a heathen, even when a heathen, somebody who is not godly is troubling in spirit. It's something to note. But let's see a situation that is dealing with people of God now. So, like I said, if you have a Bible, you can turn to first Samuel 16 or you could just listen to me read it, whichever you prefer. But we'll start with verse one. And it says the following. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, 
saying, I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Now, just to clarify about the little bit of context before this, the first king ever. So the thing you have to realize is God's ordained system wasn't even to have kings, but to have judges. And Saul, I mean, not Saul, Samuel, the prophet was also one of the judges. But the key people before this kept begging for a king because they desired to be like the heathen. And the first king that Samuel anointed, he picked out of the flesh. He picked the best person that they can find. Somebody that looked perfect, looked the part, was tall, looking good, all sorts of stuff. And he ended up being not the best man. His heart was not right. Now, the thing was, Saul was anointed. He prophesied. He did all sorts of stuff that was anointed, but he was not obedient. And that's what he just got rebuked for. And I'm pretty sure he got rebuked for that multiple times. So he started out right, but he didn't stay right because his heart was never really right. Saul only looked the part, but he really did not have the part within him. And after so much disobedience, he got that famous word. Obedience is better than sacrifice, because when you rebel against God, specifically, people like to take this out of context when you're rebelling against God and godly things. When you're rebelling against God, when you go against God and you try to find another way, that is witchcraft, wickedness. It's manipulation because you try to find another door. But we will cover that more in another episode. And idolatry, that's what this is. When you're stubborn and you decide to follow in your way of sin, that's idolatry. And that's the way he chose. He chose his own way. He chose the wicked way. And his anointing was removed from him. And Samuel... He was the one that delivered this word. He was big and bad and did what he was supposed to do or not big and bad. Let me let me be more careful with my words. I've been talking about that. But he did the thing that Saul wasn't strong enough to do and did the commandment of the Lord, cut up the foreign king and did what he was supposed to do. But even after delivering the word of judgment to Saul, Samuel was sad. Samuel was not happy and joyful to see that the anointed man fell. He was not happy to see that Saul was rejected, even though it had not fully manifested in the had not fully manifested in the flesh. In the spirit, he was officially rejected. And it took some time for this to fully manifest, but it already was starting to happen as we see what will happen to Saul in this chapter. So verse two. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with me and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord and call Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab, Eliab 
and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on his height or his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not a man, not as man seeth. For the man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. And then Jesse called Aminadab and came to pass before Samuel. He said, Neither hath the Lord chosen him. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch for him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy withal and of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look on. Look to, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, and from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth me. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is cunning, on a cunning player on the heart. And it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well. And bring him to me. Then answered his servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse in Bethlehemite, that is, cunning and playing of playing, a mighty, valiant man, a man of war, a prudent and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with them. Wherefore Saul sent messengers to, unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David, his son, unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, and he hath, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass when the evil spirit of God was upon Saul that David took a harp and played his hand and Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. So here we see another situation where God is setting up something for a change. And this troubling was a little different than the other two. The other people were heathens. This was a man of God who knew the right thing to do. And the reason why he was troubled, his trouble was brought on from his own rebellion. And notice what it said. The rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. What did Samuel, what did Saul, not Samuel, what did Saul, King Saul end up going to right before the end of his kingdom? First of all, his first recommendation was not to seek God, but his first recommendation was to seek music. 
And the music did help him because music is a spiritual thing. But eventually, Saul gets so desperate that he ends up seeking out a witch to conjure up the spirit of uh, Samuel after he died. And he actually does end up conjuring him up, which the witch knew it was real because she's used to dealing with familiar spirits. But this guy's anointed coming out. So this is really God, the spirit from God coming up. And he ended up dying after that. Not right after that, but he ended up getting a prophecy that he was going to die very soon after that. So his rebellion really did lead him into not basic level witchcraft, which we'll talk about in an episode because witchcraft is a little broader than what people like to act like it is. But he ended up going all the way full blown into the occult secretly because of his rebellion. And that's where it will always lead you. And people will be surprised where they will go and how far from God they can end up. But this is what trouble does. It not only brings people the truth, but it also shows the truth of the person who is troubled. And the truth was Saul's heart was not with God. His heart was after the people. His heart was after gain. His heart was after his himself. And while all this was going on, the anointing was transferred to someone who had the right heart, someone who was true in heart. And the gifts that God had already put in David rose him out of a place of rejection and took him to a place to where he could be anointed to a place where his gifts were brought before the man that he was about to replace. So notice David was rejected before this and he received anointed and was brought forth and already in the spirit replaced Saul and Saul was re- already picked and was well favored and he was rejected all based on the content content of their heart, the truth and sincerity that they serve the Lord with. So that's part of the purpose with troubling. It always brings forth the truth, the truth of you, the truth of your situation, the truth of the judgment that is to come. But I think the main difference to acknowledge with this specific passage is for one, this is a man of God who knew what the obedient thing was. He held the truth of God in unrighteousness. And two, the thing is, is that the troubling came from God, not for his good. The troubling was not necessarily for him. And even in the troubling, he still did not seek God. He still continued to seek after fleshly means. So even when you mess up, it's very important because David was not a perfect man himself. But we're going to see the difference between how a righteous man deals with trouble and we'll deal with it more in the next episode and how an unrighteous man deals with trouble, especially one that shouldn't know the right ways. So the next passage I have here is Daniel chapter seven. And it says the following in the first year of King Belshazzar, King of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions upon his head in his bed. And he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. And Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night and behold, four winds of the heaven strove with the great sea and four great beasts came up out of the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, 
a second like to a bear, and it raised itself up on one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth and between its teeth, and they said thus, Arise, devour much flesh. And I saw, lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and a beast was given four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this, in the night, in the night visions, I saw a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and exceeding strong exceedingly and it had great iron teeth and it devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it and it had ten horns and I considered the horns and behold there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots and behold in This horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit whose garment was white as snow and his hair as a head of pure wool. His throne was like the fire, fiery fire and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery steam issued and came forth from before him. Thousands and thousands ministered unto him. Ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. The judgments was set and the books were open. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body was destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near Brought him near before him. And there was given to him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So notice this. These troublings, the grieving of the spirit, always brings someone to desire truth, to seek out the truth. A lot of these things that grieve the spirit or bring trouble in the spirit is based off of a judgment that took place in the spirit. Usually something that's a little bit dreadful to it. Even if there's good in it, there's still something troubling about it because something was made. There was a decision that was made in the spirit and it's already settled in the spirit when this happens. So that's what this always does. And it always brings a person to seek out the truth. Also notice that these dreams that people were dreaming were very detailed. And the interpretation thereof are also very detailed. So with God's anointed people, when he troubles them, it's very important for people to have discernment so that they can prepare for the times or do whatever is necessary with this revelation. Not just to have 
revelation, but also to have wisdom about the revelation. Okay, I see this now as Ephesians chapter one says, praying for wisdom and revelation. So I saw the revelation. Now, what does this revelation mean? Because it's not just enough to have something hidden shown to you. You need to have understanding with all that getting with all that wisdom and experience. Get understanding, not in all that getting with all that getting get understanding. I always used to think it was in all that getting. So I used to think understanding is the principal thing. But in the Bible, it says wisdom is the principal thing. But it matters what kind of wisdom it is. And then two. So we need to get the wisdom from God and not from the world, not from the heathen. But we also need to make sure that with the wisdom, we have understanding or else what good does it do? So we need revelation and wisdom and understanding. So now Daniel's seeking the truth of what this means. So verse 16, and I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked them the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four and four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the most high shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then would I know the truth of the fourth beast which was diverse from all others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, his nails of brass, which devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue of his feet with his feet and of the 10 horns that were in his head and of the other, which came up and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more than stout than his fellows. I beheld in the same heart made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the ancient of days and the judgment was given to the saints of the most high. Notice that when the judgment was given, it was not bad because judgment's not always bad. You need to get that into your head. Judgment is not a bad thing. If you have integrity, even if the judgment does not seem like it's in your favor, it is in your favor. If you have integrity, because you won't mind being judged if you have integrity, but that's an episode for another day. I need to start to wrap this one up. So he's troubled because he's starting to figure out what this revelation means. He already kind of knew it in the spirit, but his mind had not fully understood this, but there's trouble that's coming. There's trouble that's coming to the saints. They, this dreadful beast is going to bring trouble to the people of God, but at the end of the day, they're going to be looked out after. So going on, it says, thus well, I didn't even finish that verse until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the most high. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So at the end of the day, with all judgment, it's going to be in the favor. Everything, even the evil is going to work out for the good in the end. Thus, he said, the fourth, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms. It shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns of this kingdom are the ten kings that shall rise, and another shall rise after them, and shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And when he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change the times and the laws, that they shall be given into his hand into the time and the time and the dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it until to the end and the kingdom and the dominion of the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people 
of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for Daniel, the cotigations or his thoughts about this matter, the cotigations much troubled me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. So Daniel received such a revelation, and he also got the understanding of what he saw. He saw very bad things coming ahead, but he also saw how it was going to end. He saw very detailed things, and he was really worried about what that last beast was that was going to bring so much persecution against them, that was going to speak words against the Most High, and all this thing. So even when an unjust and a wicked person is about to rise, he saw that in the spirit. He was sensitive, and even with knowing on this and he thought on these matters, and his countenance did change. This changed the way that he looked because he was thinking very hard about this thing that troubled him. But at the end of the day, he needed to know that because if you didn't need to know that, why would he get the revelation from God? The revelation from God, he got it because he needed to know that. And the thing was, it revealed the truth it prepared. And that's the thing we need to learn to do when we are troubled is the time of troubling is to reveal truth. So we need to make sure that we seek out discernment, that we seek out the will of God in the time of trouble, that we seek out, as I always say, the revelation and the situation so that we can prepare properly. So what do we get from this first part of this episode? When trouble comes, the purpose is to bring truth. Trouble is a necessary part of life. And trouble is a time of changing, a time of changing and judgment in the spirit. And if you're living right, it's going to end up being good in the end. So to conclude this episode, and I know I'm already at the hour mark, but my goal is really with these episodes. Part of the reason why I read so much is for one, the word is quick and powerful. The word is going to do way more than anything I can say. I can speak from my revelation and wisdom that I've gotten just from meditating and reading on it. But at the end of the day, it's the word of God that's going to do the majority of the work. And there may be things that I read and read that for one increase knowledge period about the Bible two give revelation that I didn't even plan on talking about because it's just God's word and it works like that. And three, the reason why I read so much is because that's, this is how you need to be as a saint. We need to learn to study, to show ourselves approved. We need to ex- expand our attention span, social media. Y'all know how I feel about that, but a lot of different things in this generation, we have such a short attention span and that's not going to work. We need to be watchful and prayerful. We need to be watchful. And how are we going to be watchful if we don't have an attention span? So that's part of the reason why I read so much. And it's through the power of God. The law of the Lord converts the soul. So by hearing the word, we're going to hear faith. And there's going to be much more than anything I could say or prophesy or anything. I'm not... <laughs> Anyways, so the last scripture I have here is Psalm 77, and this is a psalm, and it talks about this time of trouble. So, starting with verse 1, and it's not very long, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God 
and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart and my spirit with made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in his anchor shut up his tender mercy? Selah. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the, mo- the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and that talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary, who is so great a God as ours. Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy people, thy strength to thy people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee, and the depths were afraid. The depths were also troubled. So the waters were troubled. We're going to cover that next episode. So this is a good segue into the next episode. And I think I'm going to release them the same day. I might be nice and release both of these the same day. So if you have time, you can stick around. But the waters were troubled and were afraid. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world, lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. The way is in the sea and thy path in the great waters and thy footsteps are not known. Thou ledest thy people like a flock in the hand of Moses and Aaron. So what was the point of the psalm? The point of the psalm is he sought the Lord in his day of trouble. Now, this is not a psalm of David, but psalms is something that I read every day. And it's not necessarily in the direct order. Something I would recommend is psalms for the soul and proverbs for your mind. So psalms really for the heart and proverbs for your mind and renewing your mind and with wisdom. But the thing with psalms is there's so much revelation about how to even just pray in general to see different songs that are really just prayers of not being, you know, overly optimistic. Like, yes, they were like, yeah, I have some complaints. You know, my sore is running. You know, I'm hurting. My body's racking with pain. as the old saints used to say. Never understood that saying until this year. And, you know, if you don't have the revelation, you don't need the revelation of <laughs> racking with pain. I'm just playing. God will decide what you need. But. Even talking for real about the situation, at the end of the day, the glory is going to God. You, he, they remembered the promises. They remembered the wonders and the signs they've already seen. They remembered the things that God had already did and sought the Lord. I know I love what, as it talks about throughout the Bible, how as people sought the Lord, they had songs in the night because you don't have to try to write songs. You'll have things that just come to you when you're seeking the Lord. He did not even give himself rest until he had peace in the Lord, until he remembered his promises. He was up at nights diligently seeking God. And that's what we need to do in the time of trouble. It is a call to diligently seek God, to seek the spirit of truth, 
There's only one spirit of truth. That's Jesus. So when our spirit is troubled, it is time to seek the spirit of truth. So without further ado, I'm going to wrap up this episode and segue into the next episode. So I'm probably going to record these back to back. But before I close out this portion, for those who are not going to stick around right away, I do want to close out with prayer as always. So. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everything you provided for us. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us a revelation at the time of trouble, that you would stir up our soul and our spirit, that you would draw us close to you. And as we draw near unto you, we know that you are drawing near to us, that your hand is not shortened. The only thing that would separate us is our own decision, our own decision to follow after our iniquity and stubbornness and to make an idol out of our own ideas. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give us revelation in every situation, that you would give us wisdom with the revelation and understanding with the experience of that wisdom. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us in all your perfect ways and that you will remind us to always acknowledge you, that you would bring to remembrance the word that you have written, the word that you've sown in our heart, that you would lead us and guide us in spirit and in truth and in sincerity within our heart, that you would lead us and guide us into a place of sincerity, that you would reprove the hearts our hearts and the areas of us that are not quite right with you so that we can stay right with you, that we can maintain the blessings that you've given us and maintain the purpose and the calling that we would be good stewards of the calling that you've given us. I pray, Lord, that you would give us strength and that we would not grow faint in the time of trouble, but that we would seek you. I pray, Lord, that you would pour out of your spirit of truth everything that we need and that you would comfort us in the time of trouble. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So, not going to ramble on and on after this episode, but remember that seek God in the time of trouble. There's a purpose to the time of trouble. So I encourage you guys to watch the second part or listen to the second part. But until next time, God bless. <laughs>